You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we take all things, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Donnie Spiker. Hey, Greg, I heard the NIS Road King is back. <sighs> you always got to start with me, eh? And Greg Hector. I guess I'd have to race to be actually able to uh, try and take that crown back, right? Possibly. Well, today we take a look at some of the new items coming into iRacing. We get some very cryptic news about motorsports games and their future. And we try to figure out, is a, why is a Formula One car so fast on dirt? Come on in and take a load off and enjoy the lounge. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. jump into topics greg we have video from the big charity event last thursday night where greg hill showed off some of the rain and other iRacing development yeah so they were talking about it uh in in the broadcast there for what they were doing right so they um it's quite quite interesting i didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing i know you uh it was a big thing that was going up in our chat here, but uh, um, it's interesting to see what uh, what they got going here with it, uh, with the minimal amount of information that we kind of got. But it was quite it was quite nice to to hear about it. The images were really cool, so that was that was nice to see. So, curious what what kind of graphic performance we're going to need to to get the full potential of it. Yeah. And, you know, he shows off uh, a rain cloud, like an ominous black cloud that kind of rolls in. And he talks about how it's really natural. It's not like the whole weather system is is like a real weather system. You know, they simulated the whole thing. And it may or may not rain depending on the conditions, you know. So a neat look at that. And then he talked about um, the oval refresh. They did the dirt refresh and they're going to do an, or they're working on an oval refresh where they, and when I say oval refresh, he defines that like, we're going to look at everything. We're looking at the car, the track, the tire, the physics, everything as a whole. How can we improve it? How can we make it better? How can we enhance? And he shows pictures of some oval tracks with, uh, you know, dynamically uh colored uh based on heat in the pavement i mean what's one thing that like they we've been focusing like you said mike they kind of focused on dirt to revamp it and i think i think it kind of did wonders for the dirt community where they redid all that stuff now um now that they're kind of adding weather systems and it kind of feels like okay they're they're focusing in on it's you know it's more of a significant road type build right 
Um, the ovals have over the years have been getting updates car wise and stuff, but it's been a while since they've like kind of touched on all the tracks and 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 the car and and how it kind of interacts with the track. So it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, what they can get out of it if they can kind of get uh, more racing lines or you know more development of real world uh, racing that they that we were doing uh, where they can maybe you can search around for for more grip in different areas and things like that. Maybe we can get the dynamic track back that we used to have that, you know, they never brought back. Let's talk uh, driving aids real quick. Um, I mentioned I use the driving aid driver line, which is the green, white, red line that goes around the track that helps you decide where the turn and stuff. And I asked you guys, look, when it rains, you know, Greg Greg Hill was talking about, well, when it rains, the driver is going to have to search for grip by going off the normal line. And so I was curious, as a driver who uses driving line, will that line shift, you know, to the to the other part of the track where you should be running? So I know, look, I don't need to be over here on the left. I need to be on the right. Yeah, I assume that driving line will stay where it's at, and then you're going to have to adjust to it. It would be my guess. I don't think they're. It's going to shift with the with the conditions of the the roadway. Now, do you think this is one of the biggest? Like, if you think about it, it's obviously the biggest undertaking that they've they've done and uh, for the racing. Because how do you how do you set it up? You know, we're we're, we're always finding trying to find a place where you can get the tires to cool down or or heat in the track and things like that. Like this, this seems like. You know, one of those things that they're going to be chasing for a while to get right. Like, is there going to be something happen in the code where we all of a sudden find grip somewhere? Like, you know, you know, when people are going to start searching for exploits and things like that, is there going to be some of these things that pop up because of it? But I, I, I'm interested to see like um, the smart drivers or the, you know, the more calculated drivers if this can actually benefit them in the rain. Um, to you know, you know, can you get off the line and 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 make time or can you turn change change your tires to to slicks at the right times where it doesn't hinder your lap time yeah i hope i hope the time they've spent on this they're they're getting it right and there isn't a lot of exploits to be found and plus they're hiring so many so much uh, more employees now hopefully they can vet this stuff before it gets to us but you're right there's probably going to be an exploit here or there that somebody will find and hopefully the "Quote unquote controversy won't be as is so bad in the future. So, and hopefully, if it is found, it's uh, dealt with right away. I always thought, like, why don't they just put it out publicly on one track, Watkins Glen? That's it, just for a couple months, and let the community, you know, pick at it and and I'm and, and surface anything before they release it, you know, system wide. And and I presume when I say system wide." every track you go to might have the option for rain or do you think they need to visit every track and do artwork and stuff like that well i think the hardest part here mike is is it a weather pattern that they're developing to go over top of the track system that's already created or is it individually redoing every track with this in it like are they creating their own weather system to um enhance what's already we already have or do they have to 
you know, or is it going to be like AI where we slowly get this track in one at a time, this track at a time? Like, is it, they, they really haven't really said how they're going to release it. They obviously have some pictures there where they show different cars, um, driving on it, but you know, is it released for all cars? Do all cars have weather tires built for it yet? Does it have that type of thing? Right. Looking forward to rain should be fun. Uh, do we, if, if we're in NIS and it rains, do we, and it's like an oval track, do we have to wait till the next day to, uh, uh, wait till the track dries to, to go back and try an NIS race? Yeah. There's still a lot of unanswered questions about how that would work. You know, like with NIS, if it rains Wednesday night, is it going to rain Friday night? You know, yeah, would that be fair? Like, you know, Tom can only race Friday night. I race Wednesday and Friday. And if, if it's only rains on one day and it doesn't raise, it rain when he races, is that fair, you know, in the championship? All right, Donnie, how about five changes iRacing can make to make the driving better? Yeah, DJ EJ, we've had him on quite a bit lately, not him himself, but his videos. But he posted a video about five things that could possibly make iRacing better. Um, a lot of things are always talked about that he talks about, like safety rating. But I'll go through the five real quick, then I'll hit on a couple of the ones that I, I thought were interesting. But he talks about standardizing the punishments, um, the types of offenses between minor and major, uh, the steps of... Uh, major offenses, the steps he would take in handing out punishment, uh, SR calculations based on track type. And this one I like, it's gotta be a thing by now. I mean, who knows? Uh, fault determining AI, uh, limit system to detect obvious 100% at faults. I mean, that's gotta be a thing. And I get that we race in a, a no fault system, but at a certain point in time, technology has got to catch up to us where we can, a computer should be able to figure out who's at fault. I, this is a simulation and all. Um, hopefully that's something they can work out in the future. But one I thought was interesting for his major offenses and the punishment that he would hand out, he'd give the warning at first and it'd be a, a one warning. This is for major offenses. So I guess we're going to have to know the difference, right? Uh, the second one would be a weak ban and then a one year ban and then a permanent ban. I like it. Where's David? He needs to weigh in on this. It's a little tough because you're paying for this. You're, you are releasing it, correct? Um, it's not your property. Now, darn it. Um, so we got to know what a major offense is, I guess. That has to be determined. Uh, so there was a, a video shared in our group chat. I don't know if it made it to the script, but it was shared right before uh, we started recording about some kid that got, who was driving the wrong way in a truck, then he got banned from the service. And I guess he's back on. I don't know 100% if that's accurate or not. Um, but now that would be a major offense, driving wrong way, claiming that you're blindfolded and all this fun stuff uh, during an official event. I would, I would assume that would be a, a major offense. And then maybe that could fall into one of those four steps. I mean, do we need that guy out here? So I think the problem is, like, what if it's an an intent type of, um, you know, punishment? And how many? How do you determine what the intent was, or how many? Like, obviously, a repeat offender, like you said, you can obviously see a pattern if he's involved in stuff. I mean, we know what a repeat offender looks like on this team because we have one. Um, but I just don't. I just don't know because iRacing's never been clear with their protest system in the first place. They'd have to rewrite the rule book in more black and white. And I just think there's too much gray for it. There's definitely a lot of gray. And especially if you don't say anything about it or if you don't 
pipe up at all. I mean, how are they going to articulate, you know, intent, uh, malice, stuff like that? I mean, obviously, when your voice is now recording, saying exactly what you're doing, then that makes it easier for them. But so I thought that was interesting. Um, the fault determining AI. Oh, and the safe this SR calculation based on track type. So he goes in the difference between um, how SR should be calculated based on, like, for an example, Super Speedway, as opposed to a Martinsville. Should they weigh the same? Should SR be counted the same? Um, so that, that was a good point. Uh, but the fault determining AI, I mean, I think he's on to something there. I think that I don't, I can't say that that should be easy. I'm not a coder. I don't know anything about that stuff. But uh, that would be awesome to see one of these days. That's a neat idea for sure. Like you're sitting on pit road and you get ran into because the ding dong behind you is, you know, has his foot on the gas and the timer goes down to zero and it, his car gets put into and gear he was and hits speeding you. or whatever. Yeah. I, get, make a system to where I don't get an X for that. And then, I mean, that shouldn't be too hard. Well, I mean, I, I, I the rear ending incidents, you know, especially after, you know, multiple amounts of time, yeah, easy be, stuff. It should be easy because, you know, anybody, anytime you get rear-ended, it's usually the rear-ender's fault anyways. Right. And not, and I guess on-track stuff will be harder to determine. But, like, stuff like that, when the frustrating crap, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're, you're right, 100%. 99.9% of the time, a rear-ender, the guy behind's at fault, even in the real world. You know, devil's advocate, as Greg stated, you know, we're paying for this. If I was iRacing... And I look at it from their perspective. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, everything is private. Like, I think that's that's part of it is, and that gives them discretion. So they can make discretion depending on who it is and how many repeats and da-da-da-da and, you know, lots of different factors. There's a human element to it, you know. And so you got Nim Cross and others that, that look into this stuff and, and uh, their work is fairly private, you know. And with that being said, I think that gives iRacing some, you know, autonomous uh, action there to be able to do what they that is best for their product. I, I think the other tough thing is, is if you know there's an end goal to it, does that make people open to being picked on? in the protest system to try and get rid of them. Right. Like if someone, you know, I feel like we had that recently too. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Like I can honestly say like, I've, I hear about all the protests that get filed on our team. I've never been protested in 15 years. I've never had one filed against me. And I think I've maybe put out two. I'm probably opening myself up to the next time I'm in a race that somebody recognizes me to screw me over now because I admitted that, but I don't, I do not openly have ever received one from my racing that I believe that I can remember. I honestly don't think in the 15 years I've ever had one. So is you know, should there be a tough system or is it, you know, is it just the type of person that, is getting involved in that stuff because there's there's plenty of there's probably 95% of the people on iRacing will never have an issue or more type of person 100% because I've only doing, been doing this three years and same same on my end they're great I've never protested never been protested but um, but yeah I mean it, it's obviously the type of person that you're you're dealing with and racing with I just think 
none of this is actual like we lose money but it's not my race car it's not my I, I get to walk away and I don't care afterwards. Like I'm maybe in the heat of the moment, uh, angry if something goes on or whatever, but what did I lose? I'm just here to have fun. You're in the win <laughs> to be competitive, to race side by side and feel that thrill of victory, which we'll but, talk about that. I know, but I'm just, it, I just don't feel it. Like, is it something for me to like, if I leave my sim seat or my sim room afterwards and it really bothers me, is, is that really worth the time in the sim here? I usually just find another avenue to go down. Maybe I'll throw the sports car wheel on and, and have fun with that. Um, yeah, you know, usually I never leave. Maybe in a race I'll get super frustrated, but by the time I come back on it, I'm, I'm okay again. Hi, Greg. What do we got for a tease for new content? So we figured we kind of were talking about this when the first couple cars started showing up for uh, um, the the IMSA series here. So it looks like the uh, the hybrid or the the top class in uh, IMSA, the GTPs, um, are going to start growing even more. So iRacing put out a tweet with he obviously has the BMW and the Cadillac exposed in the picture, and then it has two cars underneath. Uh, covers. Um, I obviously, it's it's exciting that they're going to have more opportunity. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to having more cars. Um, I don't know what that does for the system. I don't know how. I mean, maybe it'll start aligning stuff in the IMSA series more uh, straight. But um, my speculation, just looking at it is the two biggest contributors to iRacing with cars. I'm guessing it would be possibly the Ferrari and the Porsche that might get released. Yes, um, Robert Chrisdale says on the forums, it's the Acura and the Porsche. Yeah, the Acura is another one that I would, I would say that uh, would be my next guess too. Now the silhouettes under those uh, car covers are different. They're not the same, so that's interesting. Um, Ferrari would be would be nice. Uh, Acura, but Porsche probably 100% is going to be one of them, knowing the relationship with iRacing. I got this one. This was kind of a surprise. I was scrolling Twitter yesterday. X, I guess we should call it now. And uh, Darian Gilliam at Black Flag Matter, he tweeted up that, hey, Motorsports Games canceled their quarter two earnings call that was scheduled for today. And then later in the day, I found a tweet from Alan Bailey at Hey Alan Bailey, and, and he said, this is big for the gaming and motorsports communities. Can't wait to share this with you. September 30th, hashtag MSG, hashtag NASCAR, hashtag IndyCar. Who does he work with? What's his name, Mike? Uh, at Hey Alan Bailey. Yeah, I was well, wondering who he was sign. as well. But he's a NASCAR uh, YouTuber and reporter. Yeah, I'm hoping. Um, we've been talking about it in the group chat all, all week about it. I'm, obviously, I'm hoping for it to be an iRacing or a NASCAR buyout. And I believe even if it's still a NASCAR buyout, I still think that helps the IndyCar cause get out from underneath that, that contract. I think they'd let them go and do their own thing, which hopefully would be coming back to iRacing. Um, but that's my hopes. I like to set my hopes up 
pretty high in life. Usually they get dashed pretty quick, but I'm pretty fortunate. So I'm hoping for this to be true. I just hope it's not something ridiculous where one of the companies gets crazy and then tries to sell their gate, you know, their rights to a game series, i.e. NASCAR selling it to motorsports because they want to produce a game or so. I just, I hope it's the other way we're not, where iRacing buys it out because I just don't want to, if they lose that license, they'll lose a lot of people. Yeah, I can't imagine. That would be uh, spectacular, actually, if that were to happen. I could, uh, I can see iRacing being in, involved in those discussions, and then be like, "Hold on, time out. If you do that, we're we're all screwed." Um, so hopefully, that's not the the case. That would be wild. That would be pretty outstanding, actually. Um, but yeah, no, we'll see. Now it could be disappointing. It could be somebody just buying the NASCAR license and then leaving IndyCar in the lurch. But who knows? Uh, what's going to happen? I guess we have to find out in six weeks from now. That's kind of odd. What, what is September 30th? Nobody knows. But when you when you look at the thread that this guy, um, you know, the comments and stuff, you know, he, somebody says, oh, NAS, iRacing buys, Na, buys uh, the NASCAR license. And then he does a reply with like, uh, you know, this meme with with big eyes, like maybe. No, here's what it says. Sorry. It says iRacing acquires motorsports games or something even better. And his reply to that was, you know, kind of see there would be this, you know, is that the 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 area for the iRacing developments if they purchase, you know, this company, is this where they get their foot in the door in the console versions of things? Where they they can take. Well, they already are. You got World well, of Outlaws. I mean, no, but I mean in the the major motorsports areas. Uh, I would yeah. think one hundred percent. Yeah, they would definitely develop the console game. Then they'd probably get the license you you speak of uh, from NASCAR to do the console part, and they'll somehow keep it separate from iRacing. It won't be exactly a carbon copy of what we get on the sim. It'll be kind of like the Outlaws game, but in a NASCAR themed. Well, you think they create all these systems with AI and stuff. It's got to be stuff for their learning to, you know, that stuff that would come in handy when they actually need to make a console version or something like that. And you, and I guess, was it last week you guys had a, an article on the story, story mode in iRacing? You know, that kind of speaks to something console-wise too, right? So speculation was it could be EA Sports as well. I hope not, because usually EA Sports over like, i mean i can't what well, I, I really shouldn't be saying this because i was going to say i was like oh they're going to charge have microtransactions when we're paying for a sim where we pay for each piece of equipment like i i can't i can't be critical of micro microtransactions when when we do it every day in the sim because we buy everything but um you know ea is not bad with their sports they weren't great near the end of the nascar license they were good in the middle but near the end they really stopped putting out good games yeah you're right there their sports games in the early 2000s late 90s were spectacular then slowly over time something happened probably the microtransactions you speak of um but i mean it, it'll definitely be better than motorsports games if that is the case if it's ea but i i can see it being good in the beginning and then who knows what happens in the future so last week or the week before we had heard from nascar themselves that they had something to announce that was going to be exciting in the console space 
And so with that, coupled with what happened here with this, where they missed their their uh, earnings call. Now look, they're a public company and you got to have these earnings calls. It's all part of being a, on the stock exchange kind of thing. So there's a reason they postponed it and it's probably because something major has happened to the, with the company. Like it's been sold or most of its assets have been sold or something like that. So um, yeah, hold, you know, cross your fingers and you know, this could be big for iRacing. I think if they were to land these these console games, you know, specifically NASCAR and IndyCar, um, and have those put out through Monster Games, you know, affiliated, I, I, it's going to be a win-win for everybody involved. I think it's going to drive more people into iRacing because they'll get on the console, they'll get hooked, they're like, man, I want to get more involved. How do you get more involved? You go iRacing. I'm calling it now. If they acquire, because it's weird that they're saying September 30th, because that's obviously a Saturday. But um, if they acquire Motorsports Games, I'm calling it. We're we're uh, we're having uh, uh, October. We're having the Indy 500 back on iRacing. <laughs> we'll get a 2023 Indy 500 in before the end of the year. Yeah, it'll, they'll put it in October. It'll be late. It'll be the fall 500 Indy 500. Hell yeah! I'll be there. Let's do it. All right, David. We got another leak of new content coming up. I don't think David could see it, can he? Oh, David's driving. Yeah, I can't really see. Can you hear me? We got you. Yeah, bro. I hear. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can't yeah. see the script right now. All right. Well, I'll throw it to you. It's basically Zandvoort. The track was, which was one of the very first European tracks released on iRacing, is going to be updated, and they're going to have two different versions the new one and the old one. If you have the old one, it'll be free for the new one, but they will keep both versions. I wonder if, I wonder if, uh, when you're, uh, sitting on pit road and on the, uh, um, the speakers that go around the trailer that are, you hear the ambient background noise. If you can hear the max, max, super max song. That would be funny. You know, they gotta get some more recordings in there. I was in my GT4 forums last night, and they were talking about this track as being a short track, and they would not like it uh, for the multi-class event. I didn't realize this was considered a short track um, on the European side. It, it's got one of the. It's one of the only tracks that has a road course that has banking too. That's you know they use still use it today with banking. They got to bank turns. And that might be the corner we're looking at in the yeah. uh, thumbnail there. Yeah, there's a, that well, corner, and there's one that comes up on the front straightaway is banked as well. When IMSA goes to Laguna, not Laguna Seca, uh, Lime Rock, they don't take the prototypes. They just run the GTs. We ran Willow Springs this week, and that was that was interesting with the, the LMP3s and the GT4s. Let's keep moving. I'll take this one. We got five changes iRacing can make to make the racing better. And so this is another DJ EJ. This guy's on fire. I, there's no way he's gonna be able to keep up with the, how many videos he does though. But uh, while he's putting them out, we'll talk about them. Isn't th is this the same story we had or no? Oh, wait, you're right. You're right, it's the it's same one. It's just duplicated. Sorry. We accidentally duplicated it. The one right below is the Formula One on dirt. Ah, there it is. So Formula One on dirt. Now this was a short video he put out that basically asked why, why is this car fast on dirt? The Mercedes um, 
AMG, you know, W12 or W13. And he's right. I mean, it doesn't make sense that this car is fast while other cars similar to it are. Could this, oh, go ahead, Don. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just going like, you know how we were just talking earlier about the, 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 the rain and, and track conditions and there'd be something that somebody finds. This is the type of stuff that, you know, you just don't think of somebody tries it and for some reason it's just broken. It just, it's not, it's just, I know that F1 car makes a lot of downforce, but it still wouldn't do anything in dirt. Um, it just seems like it's kind of just an exploit. Yeah, I've seen F1 car, usually Red Bull, they take their car lots of places and it's been fast on dirt surfaces, snow and whatnot, but they have a specific tire to match up with that. This is just uh, the asphalt tire on dirt. It looks ridiculous, to be honest with you. Um, I'd be curious if anybody from iRacing seen it and what their response could be to it, like not to allow this car on the track or what, what are they going to do about it? Well, make the physics right, you know, make it how it should be. They probably just I guess that's the point of the video is is it it seems unrealistic. Now my question is, Mike, do you want them devoting devoting time to something that just doesn't really seem like it's necessary? It's not, not necessary. Something. It's not an official series. Someone's having fun. Is it really broken? Yeah, F one shouldn't be going to Knoxville anytime soon. It'd be interesting. If it's an easy fix, work on it, but otherwise I wouldn't sweat it. There's, there's got to be a way where they could just all of a sudden turn a code saying now that the, the dirt acts like the grass and then you're just sliding around everywhere. The F1 cars don't work well on grass. Okay, I'm going to quick hit on this next one since Brian's not here. Uh, by the way, I guess he lost power due to a storm and, um, and for several days, but apparently he uh, was able to plug his refrigerator into a generator to save his food. All right, we got the World of Outlaws late models at Knoxville, and Logan Rumsey scores his maiden win. Rumsey and Say led the field to the green flag in the feature, and for the first late eight laps, Rumsey was in control with Say stalking right behind. Say took over on lap nine and moved out to a nearly a two-second lead. The laps continued to tick down until 14 to go when the first caution flew for a massive incident that involved Herbert. Damien and Nathan Waddle, another quick caution followed that set up that would be the final 13-lap run to the finish. And in that time, when Say was pulling away, uh, Rumsey was saving. Two leaned on one another once more, but uh, this time the contact was enough to send Say out of the groove and back into third position. Chase Hardy found himself in the runner-up spot followed, following that lead change. C had to settle for third as Rumsey went on to collect the victory. It looks like your championship standings. C's still in the lead uh, over Rumsey. Uh, Kendall Tucker in third, Blake Majulis in fourth, and Dylan Wilson in fifth. All right, Greg, how about the top five must-drive cars in iRacing? So uh, I'm just trying to see. I can't see. Who's the video here from? Uh, what's the guy's name? I'm trying to give credit. Oh, it's Bue Albert. Oh, Bue Albert. Yeah, because I have an ad up here. Sorry about that. Um, anyways... He's put in a, a list of most, uh, you know, top you know top five cars to to try. Um, obviously, he has the Mercedes. He started with number five. He has the IR18, um, which isn't used much anymore because of <laughs> loss of rights to it. But it is one of the better cars to drive on the sim. Um, Porsche 911 GT4 Cup, 
992. Uh, then the Audi 90 GTO uh, plus the 90, the Nissan. Uh, GTP uh, ZXT, which are those old, uh, older versions Camel of the Lamar cars, right? Yeah, they uh, they're actually really fun. That Nissan is crazy. The speed that that Nissan gets is crazy. I I, I raced that in a a thing for uh, Team Canada on here, and that was crazy to race with. Um, the Aston Martin DBR9 GT1 car, and then obviously the Mercedes W12. Um, are cars that uh, he said were, um, you know, his opinion on what he thinks the best ones are. He's not road centric, is he? You think? I was just thinking, what are my top five cars? It's funny because he's not road centric, but yet he's showing, or he's road centric, but he's not showing a lot of road cars in it. He's showing oval cars driving around on the on the road. What are your top five cars, Mike? Well, I was just pulling up a list to try to think of that, but I would definitely say the Gen 7 is in the list. I would have to put the C truck in the list, especially like at Phoenix where the back end just hangs out. That is so fun. Uh, but then, the, of course, the jet car, the IR01. Everyone should, should try that car. I would definitely say Cup car, Ferrari GTE. I miss the old LMP1s but uh, the GTPs are nice as well. Uh, the Radical. And, Radical, um, I was just thinking. Yeah, and I miss the, uh, I definitely miss the high horsepower Gen 6 before they nerfed them. Gen 5, that brings up Gen 5. I was just gonna... No, it was Gen 6. It was after the car of tomorrow, but it was high, high horsepower. Well, the car of tomorrow... Yeah, you're talking about the Gen 6 with the, yeah, it would, you're right. It would be the Gen 6 after the car tomorrow, yeah. They ran they ran high horsepower one year, and it was actually pretty good. And then they took, they just, they put on the, the tapered spacers and uh, the gigantic spoilers for every track. The, uh, the car tomorrow, when they took the wing off, wasn't bad on here. I think that was one of the cars I liked uh, when they went to the spoiler version. I miss the old, what are, I guess we call it the Arca Menard car now, but it used to be the Nationwide car or the Bush Series car in here. It was an awesome cup car, and it actually was a cup car. Oh, the Twisted Sister? Yes, the Twisted Sister car was was so much fun. I got that, yeah. Um, that, car's, that car has an identity crisis right now. Um, David, I'd agree with you on the LMP1s. Um, I like. I, I started off with the Audi, um, kind of migrated towards the Porsche in that one, but I like both of them. Um, I really like the Rally. It's just the Rally never took off as much as I thought it would. Um, I really liked the the Subaru in the Rally. That's one of my favorite cars to drive on here, um, just to do some stuff. But yeah, it's tough. The only thing with the cars. The only thing with the GTDs that I don't like is that the, there's just really no strategy in the battery deployment. Everybody pretty much has to run the same program. Right. We got another dirt championship here, this time the off-road trucks. And it was Blewett and Barry who split the iRacing off-road championship wins because they do two races at Bark River as the points gap widened. And so we're not going to get into details on that. I didn't get to watch it. But let's talk events. Uh, Don, 
First one is the Creventic Endurance Series, but this time Barcelona. Yeah, the iRacing Creventic Endurance Series, one of iRacing's longest standing team racing challenges, returns this Saturday. August 12th with a visit to Barcelona in partnership with Creventic. The organizers of the Real World 24-Hour Series and iRacing's 24-Hour Series Esports Endurance League, this series of 12-hour endurance events bring a full slate of GT and touring cars to some of the world's most iconic tracks. So this weekend, uh, it returns Barcelona. This is the series that's going to hold the Le Mans of 24. Yeah, I'm looking at the cars. It's uh, They got the the 911 GT3 Cup car, and then a series of GT4 cars, and then touring cars. So I'm not sure if this, I mean, it may very well be. Uh, Dave might be able to answer that one better if this will be the Le Mans series or not. Yeah. Um, no, the Le Mans series, the Le Mans series is running in still in the old endurance, the old European endurance cars, which is GTD, LMP2, and GTE. That's what that series is, and they're, they're running a six-week schedule, and Le Mans is in there somewhere. I, I, I don't have it handy with me. Okay. Yeah, I pulled this one up. The Creventic Endurance Series is four race series. Uh, Spa, Monza, Barcelona, and then VIR. And they're spread out quite a bit. It was March, May, August is this one, and then December is the next race, December 2nd. I I got the next one. It's the 2023 Knoxville National. This is open to anybody. And uh, dates are the 15th through the 20th. So that's coming up here soon. Uh, It's a Monday through Friday time slot, 9 p.m. Eastern each day. So you have to run one of those. And then there's a Saturday super session taking the top 60 and overall points from the race week. Any of us going to run this? I, I might give this a go. I work Saturday, so I can't. So, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense if you can't make the final event. I work Saturdays, too. That is true. What, 8 a.m. Saturday? Sorry, 11 a.m. Eastern. Eastern. And then 9 p.m. Eastern as well, Saturday. Yes, yeah, so that'd be rough for some folks. All right. And then we have one more event here. This is a, a reminder about. Actually, it's a reminder about the 15th anniversary series. Now, the good news is I've gotten starts in both weeks so far. One start in each, and you have to have a, a start in each of the four weeks, and you will be eligible to win a thousand iRacing credit. It was Solstice on a road course before. Um, this time it was Legends at Lanier. I was doing pretty good, and then as a race wore on i slowed down or they got faster i don't know but i faded i can't tell you how many races i raced back in the day with legends at lanier and um south boston one one i think they used to switch day by day back then and like right when they first had these and i was like i probably raced you know six six times a night seven times a night just trying to do them but that's when that's when safety rating. I do wonder. Go ahead, David. I was gonna say I do wonder uh, sometimes what it'd be like to go back and jump in the legends and run a bunch of Charlotte ovals, or you know, the, well the the legends track. Well, and and remember, you used to have to because you had to have your safety rating up, so you actually graduated. There is none of this quick thing. You had to make sure before week thirteen that you actually had the perfect a good safety rating to move into the next license level. 
next week is a Skippy, Skip Barber car at VIR and Summit Point, and then finally Late Model at USA, South Boston, and Concord. Get involved. It was pretty fun. I I had a good time getting back in the Legends car. It was kind of fun to drive. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of bring back memories from long ago. Pretty cool. Right, podcast housekeeping leave us a review of your on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it don't forget to check out our discord and our website at iracerslounge.com we are in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network okay donnie fantasy all right this past weekend was michigan and our winner for Michigan was Silver Mustang 91. I raced too slow was number two, and North South Racing finished third. For Tafosi in the top 10, we had Stephen Luauen in fourth and Justin Pearson in fifth. And uh, Rochette finished, he finished in 12th. For 12th for his home track. Huh? Yeah, overall, Canadrian is still leading uh, by a, almost a whole race. I would say uh, actually a race and a half. Over team, oh, actually, never mind. These aren't cut points. Sorry. Canadians leading Team Duran, uh, Duan, number two. Uh, number three is North South Racing. Overall standings. I have failed to submit a roster three weeks in a row, and uh, it just gets very demoralizing at that point. So hopefully the the playoffs can jumpstart me back into it. It's really hard to to play in fan. I haven't done it in a while because once I started, like you said, demoralizing. Once you don't do it anymore, but. When the race is going to Monday, I'm at work and it's really hard to follow the race and switch things in and out by just the app when you can't watch anything. Or when you send text oh. messages out about, hey, don't forget to set your lineup and then you don't even set your lineup. That that makes it, uh, you just don't want to do it no more. And then you just got, and then your our, our chat's always flooded with uh, Tony saying, oh, Har- Har- Harvick spun or crashed or Chase has crashed or whatever, go Bush. And it's like, what's actually happening in the race? You never can actually tell. I usually have to watch it on tape delay sometimes, so I don't even get to look at our chat for that purpose. Tony is our least, uh, definitely our least biased uh, race fan, don't you think? <laughs> he's pretty even across the board, I'd say. Yeah, he's pretty... Uh pretty humble i would think about his his race fandom let's just put it this way if, if chase elliott or harvick walked across the road tony would have hit the gas pedal and accelerated into them so i don't think i've ever been more excited for a nascar race as the next one with all the road ringers i think it's very very exciting you got svg you got his buddy um, his other supercar buddy i forget his name Brody. You got Jensen Button. You got Kobayashi, uh, the F1 guy. You got, you name it, you know. And so, who do you guys like? I mean, I, I think these road course stringers, one of them is going to win it. Well, there was a well, little. I said they wouldn't. I said they wouldn't. I'm sorry, the lag makes it hard for me to hear you start. But I said they wouldn't uh, the last race, and I was wrong. And I'm willing to be wrong again this time because this is not a race where nobody's run the track. These guys have run this track. It's going to be a different story this time. 
Well, there was two things that have come out of this week that kind of, ch- Mike, you made the comment the other night. I kind of pushed back at you real quickly. Um, there are two things that have changed since my opinion was made. Um, they moved the restart zone, so it's further back. So the runs are going to be different going into one. And Dale Jr. had a very big tip, tip, uh, tibbet on his podcast this week about Kobayashi and how well his Oh, yeah, insane speeds at test. Yes. Did they not say he was the fastest they've ever seen in the car at that track? They they weren't saying it, but they were kind of saying they were insinuating it. Yeah. So that's exciting. I was thinking of this today, and this is gonna not this could be on topic, but off topic. But man, back in the day, forty three cars would show uh, would race. Maybe fifty would show up. You would kick seven out. Uh, the economy crashed in two thousand eight. They went to forty cars, and they went down to thirty six cars, and they locked themselves in with the charter. Now it seems like with this new car that we have people who want to come in now. And we're kind of limiting them now because you, you have to run the risk of fielding a car that might not make a race because uh, you, you limit it to 40. It's just, it's just crazy. I hope there's a way they can figure this charter thing out. Um, and let's bring back 43 cars. Let's bring them back. People want to race now. Let's let them in. The Dale Earnhardt also talked about this week. If you actually, he talks about the charter system and an idea that he comes up with. Um, but I would just say go back and listen to his podcast from Tuesday, I think it was. Um, he talks about it, and he actually he actually uh, pokes at Denny to try and get Denny to poke holes in it because Denny's the one that's been pretty um, outspoken about it because he's the most recent one to purchase a charter uh, of the two charters that have come up recently. Um, he does, They don't want that amount of money that that charter was worth to be diluted and that's what they're afraid is going to happen if they start letting more teams in so you'll you'll hear the backlash from denny when anything comes up with that they need a way to figure out that these teams will get if somebody's going to buy into it now to add into the nascar charters they got to get a chunk of that money to the teams to make it seem like it's okay to bring them in yeah i think it's starting to show itself now. They may have shot themselves a little bit in the foot with this charter system, but the charters—they're they're saying thirty million dollars. That's—it's—it can't be true. Like it's only worth however much somebody's going to be able to pay for it. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I guess you could run the risk of bringing it because if you do run that, like let's say the sixty-seven car this weekend and the ninety-one, they don't get to race for all that money. They get to race for the prestige of potentially winning, but they don't get a a decent share of that of that race earnings because it all goes to the 36 charter teams. So that could prevent some, some teams from, from showing up or bringing more cars out. But uh, I don't know. It seems like NASCAR, I know you want to see on social media that it's dying and whatnot. Who care? I mean, the tracks are, are getting populated again. People are wanting to race in this series again. Let them come figure out a way they need to figure it out. Well, if you, and what you're saying there, Don, if you look at the teams that have employed those drivers into those teams, so um, Trackhouse has got SVG, uh, Kobayashi's in 2311, Brody's in the, I guess it would be the 33 card for the third card for uh, RCR. And um, I don't, where's Button? Button's in the extra one too. 51. 51 car. So, oh, and then you got Rockefeller in the Gragson car. Yes. And so 
if you look at the teams that have have them, it's the two the teams that have two teams that are probably okay to go to three teams if they had a, a better charter system. Easily increasing the field probably to forty cars, no no matter what or no no problem. Um, but they just can't uh, can't do it, and it, it's kind of just it's tough. I wonder if there'd be a way to buy out the charter system completely. How much money would that take, and just get rid of it? They needed to relegate it. They need to make something. They need to make it where you can't just come in and 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 make you know make a profit off the sport and then try and sell it down the road. You need to have there needs to be progression. You need to actually be doing something significant in NASCAR to 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 hold on to it. There's got to be a relegation where you're you know you're 36th in points you you lose it or you're 35th and 36th in points you lose them yeah i think the 78 face is something very similar to that where they got to either sell lease it or or potentially i can't see nascar taking it from them i can see them forcing them to lease it to somebody after this year all right so this is my reminder to justin don't forget to pull noah gragson out of your fantasy lineup did he have him in last weekend I don't know. I don't think anyone would pick Noah in their lineup, would they? I hope he doesn't become a pickable at all anymore since he, <laughs> he's, he's done. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware Software is presented by Metro Ford out of Chicago. And our, I'll take the first one. We got uh, Carl Gosling talks about the Alpine Racing TRX from Track Racer. This is a blue tubular cockpit made out of metal pipes, metal tubes. You know, for a, a tubular cockpit, it's great. You know, if that's what you're, what you want. But the flex that he shows at the end of this video is unacceptable to me. There's no way I would recommend anyone to buy this thing. Yeah, I, li I like the look of a tubular system over 8020, but the, the workability of 8020 is undeniable. Unless you were a welder and you didn't mind ruining your tubular system that you just paid a lot of money for. But I like the look of a tube, tubular system. But, you know, the 8020, you can do whatever you want to these things within reason. Well, you got to give them that it is very adjustable for being a tubular system. I mean, the back and forth on the pedals, the, the seat, the the wheelbase, up and down. You know, there, there, there's infinite adjustment built into the way they designed it. But again, when it's all locked down and you got it adjusted, you want everything not to move. And there's just a little bit too movement too much movement for me. It, it could also convert to formula seating versus GT seating. And so that's another, you know, positive for this, that 
you know, uh, a traditional uh, aluminum extrusion, you know, 80-20 style, it can be a lot harder to try to do a quick convert. And that's probably where you get a lot of your flex, Mike, is the ability to convert quickly from one seating style to the next. I would think somewhere in the the physics of all that is where you're going to get some of your flex. Yeah, and it was kind of neat to see Carl Gosling as had to move out to his wife's living room out of his den because he ran out of space, but he's got a pretty nice living room that he put the rig up in. Just looking at it, I, I do like the look of it, but even the length of the, the outriggers coming back to you that you'd mount the wheelbase in, that's where I can see some little instability as well. But um, other than that, I, if I saw that in somebody's house, somebody's room, I was like, oh, it looks pretty cool. I like it. I like the color. It pops a little bit. All right, Greg, how about an important announcement from Moza? Yeah, Moza Racing on their Twitter page uh, put an important uh, reminder, I guess, or a notice out. Uh, it says, attention or, that a fraudulent account impersonating the official account uh, send a fake award notification, notifications to participants. Be cautious and avoid sharing personal information or clicking on the links from the fake account. Um, I guess there's, and it's in case you receive uh, something, there's a place to go, I guess, for it. But uh, they're just letting you know that someone's got a fake bonds account and uh, they don't want you to uh, uh, get uh, duped by it. Apparently, a lot of sim racers have been duped by it. So that's why we're bringing it up. So nothing's free. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. <laughs> well, the worst part of X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it now is now that you, it's hard to tell sometimes what's the official sites if you're not paying attention quickly. All right, I got this one. We've got a new cockpit introducing the XR1 now available. And this is from um, a company, simrigs.com, out of Australia. They're simrigs.com.au. And they call it the Exodus XR1 at $899. Uh, down a from a thousand, and uh, it is, you know, an eighty twenty style rig. The uprights are at an angle. Um, I and that as they come up, they don't go up straight up and down. Um, and there's not a place for like a handbrake or a shifter or anything like that or anything on the side. It's it's the same on both sides. Yeah, Mike, it's slightly misleading here. I'm, I'm on their website. Uh, so for the $900, all you're getting is the bottom frame, the seat mounting rails, and then the upright. If you want to add the monitor mount, the seat mount, and the, the seat adjustability, it's an additional $946. So it brings it to what you see in the picture minus the hardware is um, almost two grand. That's expensive. It's, it's not even that extravagant of a rig. Like, it shouldn't be that much for an 80-20 type rig or type whatever this type, you know. They've kind of got these extra brackets. I don't like the way they connect the upright and the bottom part of the base. I feel like that plate and the, the screws has got a, like a, a possibly like a, a weak point or a, a shifting point. Yeah, agreed. You'd have to install that perfectly probably for nothing to go wrong if you have a you know you're off a little bit you're gonna have some serious problems 
I, I like the monitor mounts for it. It's kind of a nice, I, I would like to see what the back of the monitor mounts. I don't know, does the site have a, a reverse picture of it? Oh, there we go. Yeah, okay, so it's not that, it's not much different, I guess, from the setup that I have on the back. Yeah, the price is a little steep, but yeah, something new to check out. You can add a nice graphics package for an additional $200 if that's something you're interested in. They got all sorts of colors, so if you wanted to add some color to your your cockpit man my wife could do that with her cricket machine in like 10 minutes for like 10 bucks <laughs> all right donnie how about a gomez wheel review it's a first impression actually i apologize i was playing the video it was way too loud uh who's this video from mike we got a new guy named gray's dynamics so gray's dynamics review reviews a new wheel from gomez it looks like it doesn't have the screen it's a regular gt style wheel i apologize i keep playing this dang video and it's like blaring into my headset and piercing my ear hold on a second yeah All right, it's called the gsi there you go do you want to start that one again and have david cut it out no no big deal but uh yeah it's called the gomez x29 like you said without the the monitor the monitor on it this is like their entry level I love the color scheme with the colored buttons. It just makes it simple. Black on black with some gray lines, outlines. And he has the Moza QR attached to the back of it there. You know, yeah, they really take that thing apart to get the Moza thing on it, by the way. After having the Gomez, well, I have a little bias uh, to their product. It, it just feels real when you're holding it, the, the sturdiness, the build to them. And the only thing I don't like, and you probably heard it in this video, is the click of the paddles. That's about it. They use a micro switch, um, and it's decently loud click to their their pet their their wheels. But um, other than that, I'm always going to say they're great. They usually look great, and the one I have is just feels great. I think he said it's six fifty. I mean, it's a decent price. Yeah, and the button layout looks standard too. Like compare this to VRS wheel at a thousand or the cube controls, you know, formula pro uh, one, which is about the same price or, you know, all, you know, or even the Asher wheel without the, mo uh, the monitor on it. You know, this is a great value at the, you know, with the 650 and like you said, Gomez, it's got that, got a good feel to it. The only drawback, I you know, it doesn't have the clutch paddles. It's got the shifters. I, I really enjoy having clutch paddles on the back, um, but I don't know. Maybe they can be added. Yeah, you can add the clutch paddles to it. Um, brings the price up to eight forty-five, and then if you want carbon fiber um, for the paddle material, it brings the price to eight ninety-five. Uh, so then you're looking into the VRS um, realm you were speaking of earlier. But, um, I mean, just looking at it on the website, it looks pretty spectacular. And the buttons are the buttons are where they should be. I don't know, David, David always has an issue with a certain button, so I'm curious what he thinks about it. But it's got the, the five push buttons along the sides and up the top, and then uh, three rotaries in the middle, and two funky switches where your thumb would be on each side. No rotators, though, by the thumbs. No rotators. Oh. Gotta have the uh, gotta have the clutch paddles if you're gonna spend money on a formula wheel. Yeah, you can add them, but then it's an extra. What is it here? Uh, Two hundred dollars. About one hundred eighty. 
Yeah, I mean, it still puts it in the price range of all those other wheels I mentioned. I'm trying to find out from what he, I was saying there. Are each one of those buttons color, are able to change the color for, or is it just a RBG color pattern that's on it? It's all it driven with, by SimHub. Yeah, 10 RGB LED buttons. So you can, yeah, change those in there. Okay. Which are nice, because the one I got is just a standard black button. I can't do nothing with it, but... I think it's. I think it. I think it looks really good. It's simple. Um, it, it's never good. Um, I know David has the better formula formula wheel where it has the the rotary knobs kind of where your thumbs are sitting in 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 the when you're holding the grips. It's never good when you're taking your hand off the wheel to, you know, to make an adjustment in the center unless it's like a minor adjustment. But um, you know, it depends on what you use those center buttons for or rotary knobs for. Well, the, the rotary knobs that have clicks are, are not reachable with your thumb. You actually do have to take your hand off of those, but you use those for switching um, either engine map or track con traction control settings. That's usually what those are used for. It, yeah. it does have two knobs that are reachable by the thumb, little, rot little rotary knobs, but there's a, that's actually one major def uh, design flaw in, that, in the podium or in the formula wheel that comes from from Fanatec, they turn too easy because I used to have them set for something and I'd keep knocking them accidentally. So those are basically only my volume controls now because it's no big deal if I accidentally switch the volume one button or not. I think the drawback is that threaded connector on the back, but if you're buying an Acetec wheel, their new quick release, which we'll talk about, uh, solves that problem. Speaking of the Acetec wheels, David, let's uh, look at our next video. Well, I can guarantee you I haven't had time to look at it, but we've got one that's uh, posted by Lawrence Duswawa or Dusoswa, right? And the title is he, he sh that it shattered his expectations, and it's the Acetec La Prima, which redefines entry-level direct drive sim racing. Yeah, it looks like he, he has a big bundle here. He has the... Invicta wheelbase, the Acetec. I don't know the level of that one. The La Prima wheel, the quick release mic you're speaking of, and then the La Prima brake and throttle as well. So he goes on to say how excited he is about it. And he, just reading through the comments of his videos, Acetec came out came out strong, and I was just curious how it was going to work out for them. But it seems like it's it's obtaining a following as they go along. He had a lot of good things to say about it, um, for sure the the value for what you're getting is what he liked about it is that uh in that one part here i guess that's their on their pr proprietary software um to tune it all comes with it as well yeah they do have some kind of uh, software as well now let's talk about the quick we actually have a, a video farther down the script about that specifically because will ford does a video specifically today on the quick release system and it's 150 dollars which is a lot but it gives you three different lengths of quick release a short one a medium and a long so if you need a a wheel extension like i did to get the wheel closer to you you pick one of the three um as far as you know you can buy multiples, I think it was uh, five of them for $600 and get a price break if you need a bunch of them. 
but he really liked it because it has this USB dongle that's built into the quick release. And when you hook the quick release to the Invecto wheel, the little uh, electronic connections there connect that USB onto the computer. So what you do is you get your Gomez wheel and you wrap the cord around the quick release and you plug it into the UP, the, the USB dongle. And then the whole quick release goes quickly onto the, the wheelbase and boom, it connects the, the Gomez wheel to the PC and it makes the wheel wireless basically because of that, you, that USB dongle. It's pretty cool how it works. So you get your coiled cable and you wrap it around the, the, the quick release and you plug it into the dongle and, and you tie, you know, zip tie it down or whatever. And, and then you forget about it. And, uh, it's a, it's a really neat system. He also, uh, Will Ford mentioned how there were some initial reports that the first generation of the quick release, if you lifted really hard on the wheel, it would actually pop off the base. They actually redesigned it and put a stronger spring in it where that's not a problem anymore. If I was buying a wheel today, I would I'd be looking at, at this uh, for sure. This next one actually brings up uh, something that I didn't know was a thing. It's this Voda formula wheel. And it features that it can be rotated between GT mode and uh, formula mode. And it has something new with it being uh, decentralized, I guess, in one of the modes. Yeah, I'm on their site reading it. And I was actually reading what you guys were discussing the last one, and I'm trying to figure out, like, what and how. And well, if you get further it down, it, it says, well, you get further down, and it says it switches from a neutral rotation axis to a decentralized one, which improves the driving feeling for Formula cars. So there just must be something that's. Uh, it'll be neat to hear from our our listeners who probably know more details about that. And if they if they let us know, we'll we'll follow up on it next week. But there just must be something that in a real Formula car, the axis is maybe not exactly in the center. Actually, if you look at it, you can see. Um, Right there, where it says, when it when it's rotated, you can see the little silver circle on the bottom. But it's the the hub is in a different location in the GT mode and the Formula mode, so it's actually holding the wheel in a different place for one mode versus the other. I've heard Lawrence from Sim Coaches explain something similar to that, but it went over my head. And size of wheel he brings into that conversation as well, but I'm I'm curious now. So by the way I'm reading it, the way you're saying it, you're, the the hub in the back is actually articulating differently than the wheel. Would that cause a problem later on? It's changing the center of rotation, is what it's changing. So two pieces moving independently of one each one another. No, the it the it's just what it's attached to. And where, where the center of the rotation is, literally the pivot point, is is higher in the GT mode than it is in the formula mode. So when you're turning the wheel, it's going to rotate around a different point in GT mode versus formula point. Ah, okay, I got is it. That, is that reason the reason for formula mode so it tucks down inside the cockpit more, the way that they have to have it mounted, compared to where in the GT car it's in a fully open car or a full cockpit. It doesn't matter where it's rotating from. Where is it moving it vertically? Is you're right, Greg. It's moving it vertically because that thing pulls out, twists, 
and so that moves the whole thing up. The yeah. formula, the formula wheel is effectively going to sit higher on on the ac- on the axle than the GT mode is. The GT mode is going to sit a little bit lower than the formula wheel is. That's interesting. Is this the first we've seen of this? Because I haven't seen anybody come up with this yet. I never knew it was a thing until now. I just wonder what that actually. I would love to know what the difference feels like. Like if you if it's like a tangible, different feeling. But wouldn't you have to have seat position too play a factor into that? It, Mike, that's where you need that. That's where you need that one company that has that one that quickly switches from Formula to GT to to a stock car one. So this is 3dwrap.it. This is a 3D printed style wheel. It's only 469 euros. They actually have a. It's also, this company actually makes it, their stuff for consoles too, Mike. Yeah, I saw that. You can get the console version, 429 euros. All right, Mike, you're our TikTok guy. What's next? We got a video. I'll call it a rig review uh, from at flybrick underscore S60R. And he basically put together a 2005 Volvo S60R M66. Uh, He's got the entire dash, the gear shift, the wheel, the pedals, everything. Um, not like a, like a, a sim wheel. Like he's got the actual, you know, Volvo wheel. He's got the whole thing and he's got it set up in his uh, room. Some of his previous videos, if you go to his channel and look, he, he had a, he had a different kind of, uh, cockpit or a dash. Um, and he took that one all apart and this is his new one. I always thought it was interesting that guys that cut out cars, the dash of cars and they can put them on this stuff and do it. It's, it's definitely, it, it would feel cool to be sitting, you know, surrounded the way, like as if your car, I don't know if I'd like to race with a Volvo steering wheel though. You could race it in your Porsche. <laughs> it can't be cheap, you know, to scrap a car and cause you'd have to scrap it to take all that stuff out. I mean, the car would not be able to be used. Well, unless you're already scrapping the car, like it's kind of like a, maybe it's one thing you take advantage of a car. You're if it's a 2005, it's probably dead anyways. So maybe it was a car that they were going to get rid of for scrap. And if they take the interior out, it's still worth the same amount metal wise. Right. The uh, next item we have up is out of Shanghai city, uh, China. It's, uh, wow. This is, um, con spit or I guess it's cons pit. Um, <laughs> but uh, cons cons pit official. Pit. That's what they call it. I'm on their site now and it's nearly impossible to navigate. Um, it comes up in, in Mandarin and then you got to hopefully select the right things to select it to English or the, I think the government's coming for me now, but um, what do you, the pedals, the pedals are interesting. They got a purple detail to them. Uh, yeah, their website doesn't quite work. <laughs> they Their second to last uh, Instagram says, we are looking for distributors. Are those hydraulic? Yes. And if you look at one of these photos, there's some hydraulic pedals, and they even have those little uh, base shaker things on the back of them, too. He, they say advanced vibration pedals with hydraulic brake system, bringing yeah. ultimate feelings. 
Just the brake is uh, hydraulic. The clutch and throttle are not, are not. They don't usually need to be. If you know, if this was on AliExpress for like forty nine bucks, I'd just tell my wife to pull the trigger. And who knows? Maybe they are cool pedals, but I don't even know how you'd, you'd buy them. But they're looking for distributors, like Mike said. So hopefully they find something. And these are decent pedals. What do you guys think of the look? Do they? Look oh, the Prince purple look. Does it look plastic to you? The pedal, the base, yeah. everything. <laughs> oh, 3D printed, maybe. Which one? Next up, we've got Mike a uh, discussion about monitor distance. This is always one of your passions. Yeah, there were some neat little rules of thumb that David Tucker put in as far as using monitors with iRacing. So I'm going to read off a couple of those. In general, placing your monitor just a bit closer to your face than its width would be optimal. This will let you hit the 180 degrees or 179 in a triple monitor setup and 60 degrees in a single monitor setup. If you can get closer than that, even better, but chances are you can't. Some setups can now go past 180, but that requires fairly large monitors to make the geometry work. The second one, in general, a larger monitor is going to be easier to set up, but if set up right, then there's no real difference otherwise. Larger monitors have a larger sweet spot. You can move your head around more without noticing distortion, and having things farther away usually is more comfortable to view, but you won't see more vertically or horizontally unless the small monitors are so small you can't hit the 180 degrees. Number three, the side angle should match the center FOV. So if your goal is 180, then that is 60 degrees of FOV per monitor. 60 times three is 180. And 60 degrees in from flat for the side monitors. If you can only hit 30 degrees on the center monitor, then 30 on the side, and you'll get 90 total. If you have a choice, uh, this is the final one, the fourth one. If you have a choice, more square aspect ratio displays will give you a better experience with triples. Think of it this way. If the horizontal FOV is always 180, then the wider aspect monitors will show less of the vertical FOV. The Jordi LaForge looking through the visor effect. All right, yeah, triples. And, and you know, my thing with triples right now is I like bigger is better. The the 55 inch, the 43 inches, and then have your monitor kind of out in front of those, you know, and then you get that vertical FOV where the, the monitor is so big that it goes down below the, the back of your steering wheel base. All right, Donnie, this next one's a little interesting to me. I haven't had a chance to watch the video, obviously, but um it's talking about making your USB wheels wireless. I find this interesting because I actually have my phone connected that, that can connect to my my PC via Bluetooth when I like to pipe music through while I'm racing. Um, so have you given this one a watch? I've given parts of it a watch. This is a Will from Boosted Media. Uh, he does title it, Make Your USB Wheel Wireless, but he goes over... Uh, the Invicta La Prima bundle, their quick release. And then I got to minute 14. I paused it because I wanted to hit on this. He says it's rock solid. Now, I apologize. That's um, not going to talk about the, the making the wheel wireless. But he has this giant shaft attached to the back of this wheel into the Invicta base with the Invicta quick release. And then he says the words, this thing is rock solid as the thing moves like a quarter inch up and down. It's kind of bizarre. Should that too.
Yeah, this is the video I mentioned before, the quick release of the USB dongle. He also talks about the quick release. If you pull it hard enough, it'll disconnect to save the wheel, wheelbase. Uh, Mike, are you taking your wheelbase, your, your quick release off your semi-cube? You can hit it with a truck. It's not coming off. Oh, yeah. I love the quick release that I have. So apparently with this um, Invicta one, if you pull it hard enough in order to save the Invicta wheelbase, it'll actually disconnect. So I'm curious under what in nanometers would that become an issue? Or sorry, Newton meter. Yeah, if you have the Indy car turned up all the way, maybe you would get enough force to knock it loose. I don't know. He said it. He said it hasn't been an issue. But I like the idea that the other thing about this video that we haven't mentioned yet is it really opens up Ace Attack as a manufacturer or ecosystem where you can literally use any wheel. Okay, it's not like Fanatec's closed crap system where you have to buy a Fanatec hub to make it work or this and that. I mean, you can literally buy any wheel on the market, hook it to this thing, use that USB hub and get power and connectivity to your wheel wirelessly. Pretty cool. Right, we're jumping to the NASCAR iRacing series result. Let's finish up with Michigan Thursday fixed. We had Kyle run Pindy Graf. P8 started 34th at the very back and just ran to the front in the first 30 laps. Got as high as P2, but fell off on the restarts and just couldn't get that top five. Okay, I ran Friday open wrecked out ouch lap 69 i was running about 15th they wreck in front of me i can't miss it i knocked the right front completely off the car david you were wrecked out yeah i was running well all night we had a late late caution late run and the guy dive bombs me and stays in the third lane not the second lane not the first lane the third lane so I'm giving him the second and first lane because most people that are on the inside run the second lane. And he, he kind of sort of dive bombed me because I had to let up for the car in front of me. Fine, you got the second lane, but he stayed in the third lane. So I turned into him, not expecting him to be in the third lane. And both of us ended up dying as a result. Well, Pindy Graf, P10, started third, but just couldn't keep it out of the back bumpers of other cars. I was pushing hard to draft as much as possible, but just caused problems for myself and ended up with 10X, but still walked away with a top 10 finish of P10. Sunday open, Tom Dryling, P5, started 20th, was able to work my way past the few crashes, was able to miss getting damaged. I'll take a top five. He took the points lead uh, some 90 points because uh, I had a crap finish at Michigan. Kyle Pendigraf, P3, started P4 and just couldn't fire off good on the start and fell back to 25th. Slowly made my march to the front. After green flag stops, I pushed it to lap 50 and pitted with the mindset that we would go green and I would have just enough to finish the race. Cycled out P21, started to gain positions, avoiding wrecks. 
got to the final restart with seven to go and restarted p3 battled with a car that was much faster but was also extremely reckless for p3 once he used up his tires in the first five laps of the restart i was able to drive past him and hold off a podium finish of p3 i did run i ran p18 uh top split don't remember any details all right moving on to indianapolis road course p10 started 18th got turned around sideways and turned on lap one uh, turn one i fell back quite a ways after that but was able to recover quite nicely i'll take the top 10. kyle pendigraf he was in my race p20 bring back the oval started p23 and took advantage of a lap one turn one wreck that was me and gained a ton of spots but in typical fashion i was super inconsistent with these bricks i mean cup cars couldn't find the right braking points and seemed to overshoot turn one a ton fell back as far as p25 and slowly gained a handful of spot think i'm a one and done here at indy this week justin he said, I forgot to log out. I was practicing earlier. I'm going to wait until I get better before I do it NIS. I still suck. Ha. Tony Rochette. He put in Indy Road is bleep. No, he didn't run. Chris Waldring. Uh, P10. Finished my first NIS road course. Kept the car on the track for a top 10. Tom Dryling, P5, started 10th, was able to get myself to racing for the top five, came out 10th after pitting, was able to pass fifth place on the last lap to gain another top five, a good points day. And that brings us to today, Thursday Open, I ran, and guess what? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I started eighth, I got to six by the end of lap one. Before pit stop started, I was up to P3. I eventually cycled to the lead as those two leaders in front of me pitted, and I kept it for the rest of the race. I waited till I ran out of fuel. When I pitted for fuel, I had a 53 second lead over second place. And I'm thinking, holy crap, I'm gonna be able to pit, get gas, and get out before they even get to me. And I was correct. By the time I pit and came out, uh, there was a nine second lead. Now the guy was catching me. He was way faster. Um, as we got down to like two to go, he was within 1.5 seconds behind me and I was sweating bullets, but luck fell my way. He had some kind of issue with a lap car and lost his momentum and fell back. I was able to move on and win this race by and lead the most laps. My 95th career win and uh, third NIS win this year, fifth overall. Uh, first win at Indy too. Pretty cool. So I guess I'm the road king now since I got the win. The road king is back. That's right. Tafosi road king. Oh, Come on, Greg. Please. You need to take it from me. I'm hoping to get a start tomorrow night. And I was going to say he's got a he's got a race to do that. It's been what six weeks? I think I've missed about six weeks here, and we got two road courses and our uh, speedway race coming up. But I think I'll be back. I just I can never I never can commit anymore. Something always comes up. Look, I'm happy to win. I mean, it validates everything we do do this for. And man, I was so happy and stoked and points for the championship guess what it was actually less points than my 10th place last night 
that, that paid just a few more points. But David, you said it's going to be a drop anyway because uh, my I rating on road is so low. Well, everybody's I rating on road is lower than than their their oval I rating for the most part, right? If I'm at fifteen hundred on road or road when it, when I'm at thirty five hundred on uh, oval, th there's just no point. Uh, I just run them if I want to, and I, I just decided I didn't want to work on it Wednesday. I've been, it's been uh, marching camp week, so I've barely been home uh, between in services and marching rehearsals. But I can afford to miss it because it's, I'm going to score for me probably a hundred points or so when I'm usually raking in close to 200. Built in drop weeks. Before they changed that uh, a year or so ago, did it was it different for you to race it was calculated on your oval strength of field not the road strength of field so should we go back to that i think so i think they should do the points at least that get awarded based on the oval strength of field whether they continue to split it this way is fine but um like that it's it's i i think they should maybe split it as the, this way and have it affect your Oval, I mean, your road I rating, but the strength, but the the races need to be weighted to where they count the same. Because for almost everybody, the road is going to be a drop week, and so it's it's basically run all the ovals and hope you don't have a really bad oval week because you're going to drop lose almost all of your races in, in on the road side automatically. Yep, I like that idea. I got like a full 60 points or something for winning that race. When I come in last place in top split, it's like 38 points for me in the Noble. All right. Other events I ran, I told you I ran the 15th anniversary series. I also ran um, Gen 5 hosted at iRacing Super Speedway. Man, that's a that's fast. <laughs> that is super fast. 250, 260s down the the straights. Uh, finished P4. That was a fun run. Donnie, how about uh, Willow Spring? Yeah, I ran the Falcon Tire Sports Car Challenge. They're calling it. It's the mix of the GT4 and P3. Small race this week. Um, got a P3, which was nice uh, off my own set. Um, and I'm only going to run eight races this season for this. Um, this particular series and I think I've podiumed them all and I've won two of the weeks uh, Long Beach and Watkins Glen so I think I'm actually I've missed a few weeks because I won't race the rest of them until later I think I'm still leading the points uh, points in my division so I'm hoping for that points uh, championship that'd be great and then I don't know where I go from here for the roadside if I stick with it or I go to the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge after this one we got to get you up into full-on IMSA at some point so you can hang out with me and the actual sports cars. Yeah, I'm enjoying the... Actually, I think I'm just enjoying building the set, but um, I think I'm going to run this through January and then bump up prior to the GT3s uh, after Daytona next year. Great. Let's jump to final thoughts. Greg Hector. Um, just uh, hoping to get some racing in. I just haven't had any time recently. I'm I'm on holidays, thank God, next week. So I got one more day of work this week. And then hopefully I can do some uh, some racing. I'll be gone for a little bit, but I can at least get uh, some road racing in this weekend. 
and uh, maybe I'll take my title back from you uh, there, Mike, and uh, get it. I just uh, I don't get the get the luck sometimes of certain draws uh, time of the day. I feel like the afternoon one on Thursday afternoons is a good one to run, um, but uh, never get lucky that way. But uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting some more racing in and. Um, Life is uh, kicking kicking me in the butt right now. All right, David Hall, final thought. Yeah, since Michigan, I haven't uh, been running obviously as much because uh, work's back in, and this week, this year, with everything getting really back into full swing, and we're not having to worry about any of the COVID restrictions or kids being so out of shape because they sat at home for four or five months. Um, we're on, we're we're flying. Uh, been in a lot of meetings and then doing practices afterwards or practices before you heard me driving home because we had open house until right, right after the show started. Uh, and also I'm having a lot of fun playing uh, digital combat simulator too. I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth. So just not running as much. I did discover something though, as I was trying to fix a tracking issue, which becomes a bigger issue in a flight sim than it, it, than even in the race sim where you don't turn your head that much in the uh if you're a if you're in the reverb g2 there is a setting where you actually clear the position data because it tends to get apparently corrupted over time i cleared that and now my i don't let, have any bouncing around on the tracking so if you're if you're one of those guys running a g2 you want to clear that tracking data every once in a while and it seems to make the g2 run a lot smoother all right donnie spiker final thought Ah, this last week was uh, unfortunate. On a lighter side, nothing crazy. Um, I switched internet from cable to fiber. In the previous 11 years with cable, I had never had an issue with it, never went out. Uh, made the jump to fiber. I get 980 up, 980 down, uh, which is fantastic. But one day I was sitting on the couch Saturday and my whole house went out. And apparently somewhere in the neighborhood, they were installing somebody else new, but at the main port, they plugged, unplugged mine and plugged it in somewhere else on accident. Took them four days to fix it. Brian, on, a, on the other hand, has had no power for four or five days. I only had no internet, which, uh, which is weird to experience for the first time after living in an all internet world over the past decade and a half or however long it's been. So uh, things you take for granted, uh, but I didn't get to race much, so. We'll see what we do this week. And I don't know if I'm going to race Indy Road or not, kind of in David's mindset, uh, not getting enough practice. I don't want to go out there and just tool around. I can win it. You can win it. All right. And let's talk about my final thoughts is uh, I wasn't expecting to win this week, to be honest. Uh, I usually look at these road course weeks as, you know, let's get some points and move on. But uh, wow, to get a win, that was awesome. And, and I earned it, man. These guys were faster than me. The guy that was in second, that was chasing me down. When I pulled up the, the lap times at the end, he was like a second faster per lap. And am I ever going to be a second faster? I don't think I am. I really don't. But I'm consistent. I got racecraft. I know when to pit. I know not to take tires, you know, I, and I don't make mistakes. I didn't make any mistake. I didn't overshoot any corners. I didn't run off the course. I didn't get wrecked and I won the race. So, um, man, it just, like I said before, it validates the whole hobby. Like you spend all this money, you do all these things 
is it worth it yes it is worth it when you win and this is my first win on my new wheel my max pappas wheel and uh didn't think it would be a road course but uh hey i'll take it and with that we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.